I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, and you're listening to The Goop Podcast, made possible by our friends at The Outnet. I work in an office that's staffed almost entirely by women, and a lot of them happen to have enviable taste. Recently, I saw another Goop staffer wearing this incredible jumpsuit that I tried on last season and loved, but for whatever reason, didn't end up pulling the trigger on, and I've regretted it ever since. This is where The Outnet comes in. Their virtual shelves are stocked with gems from previous seasons from over 350 designer brands, so I can find that special piece that got away. I also don't have to worry about breaking the bank because pieces on the Outnet are up to 75% off retail prices. Check out their collection at theoutnet.com and just enter Goop at checkout to get an extra 20% off your next purchase. To see the fine print, head to www.theoutnet.com backslash goop. Hi again. Thanks for joining us. If this is your first time, here's what you can expect. Every Thursday and a bunch of Tuesdays coming up, Goop editors will be sitting down with thought leaders who are pushing boundaries in their fields. We'll talk to doctors, creatives, CEOs, and relationship experts. You'll hear me interviewing some of the people I admire most in this world, and you'll also hear a lot from my chief content officer at Goop, Elise Lunin. I love listening to Elise's interviews because she asks the smartest questions and really just listens. Today's guest is Dr. Dominique Reed, who is on my own speed dial. She's the kind of doctor who you look forward to sitting down with because she's smart, thorough, solution-oriented, and she always listens intently. My patients, um, you know, I love them because they come to me, they immediately give me rewards, you know, by, by being happy just yeah. to be there. You are going to take care of me. I have these symptoms. And I, the first thing I tell them when I tell them, tell me your story, I say, you are not alone. There are so many women that go through the same kind of terrible moments, you know, and, and they don't know where to go. Okay, let's cut to Elise's conversation with Dr. Dominique Reed. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me here. We love having you in the Goop family. So you opened your first practice when you were in your early 20s in France. That's totally true. I was 25 exactly. Oh, how is that possible? Because in France, you know, you get to medical school very quickly when you're 18 years old. You mm. do seven years and then you're on your own and you can open your own practice. So you don't even, they don't have like a liberal arts program that you go through no. and then, no? You do two years of pre-med, then you have what we call le concours, you know, it's a competition, and they, can, they take 10% of the students that can continue into medical school. Got it. And you knew when you were 18 that you wanted to be a doctor? Ah, I knew when I was 12 that I wanted to be a doctor. How did you know? But I wanted to be a certain kind of doctor, Elise. <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor that keep patients healthy. Mm. Because my grandmother was, uh, at that time, 60. She lived until 96. And she was living in a city, Vichy, in France, where we used the waters, you know, the spring waters, to keep patients healthy. And I would go with her, drink the spring water. And I said, hmm, that's the way to stay healthy, to detox your body. So I knew I wanted to go in that direction. Wow. So really ahead of ahead of where we are now. Exactly. When did you start your practice in Los Angeles? So when I moved to the US, I had to go back to school. You know, I had already practiced 12 years in Europe. But when I came here to marry an American for love, I had to go back and do a residency. So it was studying, taking the boards, going back to school, going back into hospitals, residents. 
And then I first worked with my hospital at Loma Linda University mm -hmm. as a staff physician. Then I worked with Dr. Murad. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's how you combine beauty and health. That was very, very um, exciting, you know. And Dr. Murad is really a, a fantastic physician and genius pharmacist. So I learned a lot from him. Yeah. And we work on hormones and beauty at that time already. And did the, your philosophy change dramatically or did you just learn a new toolkit or were you still on the same path? Well, I think I was lucky enough to have both education. I learned a lot in the U.S. No, I'm very grateful for my, my teaching, as I say, at Loma Linda. And then after that, I did a postgraduate in, in anti-aging medicine with the, the American Academy for Anti-Aging Medicine. Mm -hmm. But I had my background of a natural approach to health, using plants, using supplements, complements. So I think I can combine both. And here, no, with uh, your group, with Goop, with Gwinnett, I, I can really connect the two. Yeah. I know so many people in your practice. I will not name really? them. Really? Yes, of course. You're really known, at least particularly in Los Angeles, for being for knowing how to solve sort of tricky hormone problems and sort of get women back on a path to wellness. Like how how inevitable do you feel like hormonal issues are for women after the age of forty? I think that. All of us are going to go through that. I am 63 myself. I'm not, uh, I can tell you, okay, I'm not uh, shy. And I went through moments of my life where I had to suffer from hormone symptoms. So my own experience, plus I believe a passion for that moment of change. You know, I, I think, not that I refuse to age, but I think we, we can really help the, the aging process so that it's beautiful, it's healthy. And during my residency at Loma Linda, I chose as my research project, my last year project, to work on a review of the literature on all the bioidentical hormones, mm. which are a little bit more natural and probably a little bit safer, although we have to always do, um, be careful with the dosages. But, um, I think that was really from the beginning an attraction towards how can we slow down the process of aging and mm -hmm. hormones play a big, big part for that. In terms of, they play a part in terms of how they make you physically look or just the way that you feel? Both. You have said right, you know, it's not just appearance. It's mm -hmm. also vitality. You know, my practice, you know, is Vitalife MD and we, we had as a logo add vitality to your life. How can you stay until, you know, 90, 96, maybe 100, full of life and brilliant mind and continue having hobbies and enjoy life every moment? So that's really uh, the goal, you know. Uh, so three important points in anti-aging are keep your mind going, mm -hmm. keep your body going, motility, exercise, and keep your immune system going. Mm -hmm. And for these three hormones are very, very important. I know. It seems that way. I was just talking to someone earlier about my hormones being slightly out of whack and then the, I guess, the effect on your immune system. And I, n I actually never realized that those two were so interconnected. Absolutely. You know, because when we have hormone imbalances, 
one hormone that takes over is cortisol. Mm -hmm. I hope I pronounced that correctly. You did. Good. So cortisol is the hormone of stress. Yeah. And stress is a major part of the changes of life. Okay. So when your estrogen, your progesterone tend to go down around the moment of change, perimenopause, then the cortisol becomes the predominant hormone. And you have all the symptoms linked to excess cortisol, which is going to be not sleeping at night, belly fat, anxiety, and immune system going down, and you develop autoimmune conditions, you develop any kind of you know, uh, disease, bacteria, viruses, so you're more prone to being sick. Interesting. And it's so, it's, it seems like such an unfair, <laughs> not disadvantage, but it's, it's obviously a prim that primarily affects women. That's true. And, and is that, so you feel like there are ways that you can sort of ease that transition, celebrate it rather than being a victim of it. Totally. We, we should not be the victims of our hormones anymore. Yeah. Okay. There, there are ways to limit the, the symptoms and even eliminate them. You know, when I started having a few emotional spells myself or not sleeping too well, immediately I treated myself in a very safe, uh, reasonable way. I will never give back the hormones of a 50-year-old or 45-year-old like a 25-year-old, okay? Right. This would be foolish, okay? But you can definitely uh, limit the symptoms and help women go through the changes in a very easy manner. Why do you think that this isn't um, sort of more mainstream or more easy to find? I feel like it's very hard as a woman to find someone who will really look at your hormones unless you have a very visible sort of hormonal issue. Why? How do we make it more like part of the mainstream conversation? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm not sure I have the answer, actually. Uh, I think that's because... In America, mostly OBGYNs are talking about hormones, and the training of OBGYNs uh, is mostly about anatomy, and you know they do a fantastic job delivering babies and maybe helping you. But prescribing hormones is really a subspecialty that is not really uh, attractive for all OBGYNs that are more like mechanical surgeons, okay? Mm -hmm. So, and I, I do respect the OBGYN profession. That's not what I'm saying, okay? The general practitioners, they have very little training. What I can tell you is that my degree, if you come to my practice, that is on the wall that I'm very proud of, although I'm very humble, it's signed by Le Roi des Belges, the King of Belgium. And it says, Doctor en médecine, chirurgie, et accouchement. That means doctorate in medicine, surgery, and OBGYN. Mm. So we have a little bit broader training, I think, in, in Europe, which might explain why I was attracted right away by uh, everything that was concerning uh, OBGYN practices and hormones in particular. Mm -hmm. It's so, and I think that, you know, in the U.S., there's certainly a major cultural component you know, I grew up in magazines, working in magazines, and the target demographic for all magazines is 18 to 34, essentially. And I always thought that was so strange because when I was 22, I had no money. Granted, I had very, I have far fewer bills than I do now, but when you turn 35, there's sort of this idea, I think, in American culture that's subliminal 
and obvious that when you turn 35, like you fall off a fertility cliff, you are no longer targeted by average, like you're just not valuable anymore. Really? Interesting. Yeah. And I think, so Goop is interesting because we definitely speak to a woman who's in her 30s, 40s, 50s, and we have some younger readers as well, but we're really trying to, to, and women know this and feel this, but like you're not irrelevant when you turn 40. Certainly not. And I know, right? That's when you get, Gwyneth always says that's when you get an upgrade. But I think culturally there has been sort of this like abandonment of women. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's true. And, you know, we see that in, in, in medicine as well sometimes that you're just sort of dismissed, you know? Yeah. My patients, um, you know, I love them because they come to me, they immediately give me rewards, you know, by by being happy just yeah. to be there. You are going to take care of me. I have these symptoms. And I, the first thing I tell them when I tell them, tell me your story, I say, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. There are so many women that go through the same kind of terrible moments, you know, and, and they don't know where to go. And they go to the psychiatrist and they, they go to the therapist and they get Prozac or antidepressant. I spend my time taking them off the antidepressant, Elise, mm-hmm. And telling them, let's balance your hormone and we'll see. And if we are lucky, they come before starting yeah. the, the, the antidepressant. And you put them on a little dose of progesterone or uh, some supplements. Mm-hmm. And I think we can really prevent things from happening. Because for me, prevention is the key. Mm-hmm. If you can act before the drama, yeah. you will not have to uh, start with the big guns. You know, you yeah. can really start treating gently and approaching the changes and preparing the body and the mind and, and keep y- your face beautiful and your hair from falling. You know, there's a lot of things that can be prevented if you take that on time. So what, so let's say to you, when is the time to start being really preventative? Is it in your 30s? Is it your 20s? At birth. (laughs) I was hoping you weren't going to say that. Yeah. Well, I'm joking a little bit because it's true that, you know, lifestyle starts in your plate. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the Hippocratic oath that we sign and, you know, Hippocrates was saying before medicine, there was food. Yeah. So prevention starts really, really early in life. Okay. Our kids, we need to really take care of what they eat. But in terms of general prevention for what we call age related conditions. Yeah. All these conditions that starts when you start being 40, 50, 60s. I think that's a good time. You know, 40 and 40 plus, that's really the moment that we need to start working. But I have women at 35, they start having some changes already. Yeah. No, I've heard that from a lot of friends where suddenly they're having, you know, hot flashes or these perimenopausal moments or their period starts becoming irregular, um, which is terrible. You know, I think their immediate reaction is, oh, my God, I'm going into menopause way too early. But I, I guess that's also kind of normal, right? That, that's totally normal. And I tell them, you are a moving target mm-hmm. because maybe your ovary is going to start working again. You know, the ovary starts being lazy in our 40, 45. That's totally normal. You know, we do not ovulate as easily as we used to. Our FSH, the follicle stimulating hormone, goes a bit higher. But sometimes, you know, you have irregular periods for six months and suddenly everything comes back completely regular. 
So we don't want to worry. We just need to reassure these patients and work on what can improve the ovarian function, in particular working on stress, lifestyle, sleeping. That's mm -hmm. very important, you know, and managing your stress is also a very, very important part of what I'm doing, actually. And so what in, in terms of sleep, I'm assuming your general advice would be to get eight hours, nine hours. That's utopia. That is utopia. <laughs> I, I really work on it. Really good for you. Well, this is magnificent. If you can do it, that's excellent. You know, these are the recommendations. You're absolutely right. But from my interrogation during my consult, it's very rare that I get people to sleep that long, okay? Yeah. Or they tell me, yeah, I'm eight hours in my bed, but I toss and turn and I get really like two, three hours. Today I had that poor patient. She's wonderful. She's a personal trainer. And she said, I'm really, really tired today. I slept exactly two hours. Mm. Please help me. So that's where we have some nice cocktails of supplements, you know, that can help. And restoring your hormones is a key to, to a better sleep for sure. What do you, do you recommend like melatonin or valerian or? Yes, yes. These are part of the, the cocktail we can use, if I can say so. Uh, there are others, you know, there are some like, for example, um, L-theonine. Mm. I love L-theonine. I take it myself every nine. Okay. Uh, it's a little uh, amino acid that helps to uh, produce more GABA, the gamma aminobutyric mm -hmm. acid, which is the calming, the sedative neurotransmitter. So it helps with anxiety. It helps with focus attention. It's a wonderful little supplement. You can even put that in the bottles of babies when they can't sleep. Oh, good tip. Yeah. <laughs> no side effect. As I say, I take it myself uh, every night, every night. Interesting. Um, so what... You know, I know testing is a big part of your practice. Like at what point do you think that just sort of as a baseline, it's good for women to understand while everything seems to be going pretty well, what what they look like hormonally? Yeah, I, th I think, again, you know, we, we are going back to prevention. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to, to have a baseline. What are my hormones looking like when I am having regular cycles or when you're 35, you know, why don't you test your hormones just to, to have an idea where you stand? So you'll need to do two kind of tests, one in pre-ovulation period, the follicular mm -hmm. period, so the three to eight, and one after ovulation to check your progesterone, mm -hmm. day 1921, okay? You can do... a blood test, that's fine. You can do a saliva test if you want to have a bit more idea of what is in your tissues, or you can do both. Most of the time I do both. Mm -hmm. And then down the road, the first hormone that will go down first will be your progesterone. Mm. So the day 19, day 21 test will be very, very important at that point. Yeah. I, I've done like the Dutch plus test. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have a Mirena. I have one of those uh, IUDs yeah. that so I think my progesterone is levels are totally, wacky. totally. And I want it out. I don't know if, if I'm having, I just want it out of my body. Yeah, it's a little bit of a synthetic progesterone. It's not yeah. a bad way of contraception until a certain age. You know, I, I recommend that for certain women uh, at certain age. But if you want to go a bit more natural, you know, and we could change. There's always the problem of contraception that comes around at yeah. that point. Okay. I liked the copper one. I like the copper one. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I yeah. totally agree with 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 you. Yeah. When I was young, I had a copper IUD. Yeah. I can tell. I'm gonna. I'm going. I'm doing a swap actually because I'm. 
Oh, good. Yeah. Interesting. So speaking of hormones, at, at what point – because I'm theoretically should might need to be on a little bit of hormone, but I'm very nervous because I don't want to be on hormones for the rest of my life. Like, are they things that are there? Can you get on and off of them, or is it really like once you're on them, you're on the train? So it's a personal choice. Yeah, I will take my hormones as long as I can. I'm very careful to limit the risk of breast cancer because mm -hmm. that's a tiny minuscule risk that exists with all kinds of hormones. And I would not say minuscule. And it depends on each woman's global risk of breast cancer. So mm -hmm. you, you look very thin, you look healthy, you have good lifestyle. So I would say your risk might be very low from other perspective. Yeah. So we can definitely switch you to hormones and you will take these hormones as long as you wish. Okay. I personally believe that hormones help with vitality. You know, when I wake up in the morning, if I don't take my hormones, I might not be as full of energy to go to my practice, see all my patients, give them everything I can give to them. So it's essential for me to continue taking hormones as long as I want to function at the highest level possible, you know, optimal health. The one thing I want to tell you also, it helps with brain function, which mm, is... Interesting. A, yeah. Memory, uh, focus, attention, you know, estrogen have proven to help with neuron protection, their neuroprotector. So there were some studies at one point that were a little bit controversial. Does that really work or not? We have some that seem to be more promising now. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some that shows that was the opposite. So it's very, still very controversial. But from my experience and a lot of my patients' experience, it does help with that sensation of grabbing the world in your hands. You mm -hmm. know, you, you feel more potent in terms of what you are able to to do in one day. You, you have more um, intellectual capacity. That's really how I feel. Plus, it helps your body. You know, so many young women, you know, 45 comes to me. Oh, I'm starting to ache in my joints. I feel a little bit stiff in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, that can be low hormone Labeled. Interesting. What about things like frozen shoulder? Yeah, absolutely. Frozen shoulder is one of the specific, uh, I would say, rheumatological symptoms that is linked to low hormones. You can have frozen shoulder for other reasons, of course. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, I'm very, very careful now when I, I recommend flu shot for some patients that need to get it. You no, know, not yeah. everyone wants to have a flu shot, but if you need to get it and if you, you, have to get it, get that in your derriere, in your buttocks. Don't get that in your shoulder. Interesting. That could increase the risk of um, sh frozen shoulder. Interesting. Another hot tip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll come back to Elise's conversation with Dr. Dominique Reed in a minute. Let's talk about one of our partners first. I really don't like the feeling of being rushed to make a decision. Now or never mentalities usually don't work for me. I'm more of a sleep on it and let's see how things look in the morning kind of person. And this is more like what shopping on the outnet feels like. You can find pieces you saw and love from previous seasons, only this time at a fraction of the original price tag. I've never been super big on impulse buys, but on the outnet, you feel like you've had a good minute to weigh your purchases. And they stock what seems like every designer brand on the planet, or at least 350 of the best. So you're likely to find your favorite Oscar de la Renta print or Jimmy Choo heels from a season or two ago. And this time, they'll be up to 75% off. But what keeps people coming back to the Outnet site is that you're rarely ever browsing the same thing. 
The Outnet drops new arrivals five days a week, Monday through Friday, which means no matter the time of year, you're almost always going to spot something worth your while. Get an extra 20% off your next purchase at theoutnet.com by using code GOOP at checkout. And for their terms and conditions, just head to www.theoutnet.com backslash GOOP. Now let's turn back to Elise and her conversation with Dr. Dominique Reed. You mentioned earlier bioidentical hormones. Is that typically what you try to do or are there downsides, upsides? Yeah. So the one thing I want to really tell you, I do not prescribe oral estrogens anymore. Mm. Okay. By mouth estrogen, go to the liver, to the liver, which increases the risk of blood clot tremendously. Mm. So a lot of patients travel long distance on planes. You know, I don't want to put them at risk. I see some HMOs that still continue giving uh, by mouth uh, estrogen. I think it's an old practice. I think that we need to abandon for now the oral uh, hormone replacement therapy because of that cardiovascular risk. Okay. So any type of hormone that I'm going to recommend for the estrogen will be through the skin. Oh, so it's like a transdermal patch? It could be a transdermal patch. That's one possibility. But some patients, they don't like that patch. Okay. Mm -hmm. And some patients, they want a little bit more precise dosage. And with the patch, you are relatively limited. You have three, four dosages that you can use. So if you want to have a lower dosage or a bit higher dosage, you need to use some creams. Mm. So there are some gels. There are the gels that come from Europe that I use myself. That's something that is sold in regular pharmacies, and it's a really good gel. Or we can do the bioidentical through pharmacies that compound it. Yeah. it exactly at the dosage that I want, and I can tweak them up, tweak them down, depending on the needs of each patient. Interesting. And how, I mean, it seems to me, my understanding is that it is incredibly complex. Like balancing hormones is like the most fastidious, like one thing goes up and the other thing goes down. And like, how hard is it to do it well? Well, to tell you the truth, I think it's an art. Yeah. It's like cooking. I'm, I'm a terrible cook, I have to tell you. But I think I, I do not too bad with hormones because maybe my experience and and the feeling of it, you know, it's an intuition. Um, when a woman comes to you and have terrible hot flashes and cries all night and uh, has palpitation, you know you need to go to a higher dosage. If a young lady comes and says, you know, I'm just having a tiny bit of mood swings, I'm a little bit tired, okay, uh, I will go with a very low dosage. You know, I can go from 0 0.5 uh, milligram of a B estrogen, which combines two kinds of estrogen. One is a bit softer than the other one. I'll, I can go in more detail if you need. But I can go up to 10 milligram. I tend to be very conservative mm -hmm. and follow the recommendations from the American Menopausal Society, which is start with the lowest dose that works, and yeah. then you can increase as needed. And I would imagine just because women are so complex and there are so many factors that it's just... Very highly individualized. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It depends on your diet. It depends on your stress level, civilization, stress, you know, running around, taking care of the kids, not knowing what's going to be the next uh, burden on our shoulders. That puts us women more at risk to have menopausal symptoms. Oh, it's so amazing to be a woman, but it's so, I mean, you think about it with men, right? They have one 
they go through adolescence. And women go through adolescence, we go through matrescence, we go through menopause. Like, it's not quite there. That's true. But, you know, we have that earlier, but men will catch up when they are a bit older. I have a lot of men, you know, that come in their 70, and then they start having their hormonal issues, and then they want testosterone. And what does that look like for men? Just low sex drive or... Yeah, or decreased muscle mass. Mm. Uh, a lot of them decrease stamina, okay, and uh, no motivation. So it's not just sex drive. It's really, uh, again, vitality. You know, vitality is a, a, a risk for both sex to, to lose it when we have hormone imbalances, hormone decrease at one point, but women have it earlier than men. Are there men who show up in your practice earlier, sort of in their 40s or 50s, or is that very rare? No, no, that's absolutely true. You know, this is very surprising to me. I see so many young men now coming to me with a very low level of testosterone Mm. and already a lot of symptoms. And I wonder it's because of the environmental factors that we are in, you know, all these pesticides that Mm -hmm. we're exposed to, their stress level, not sleeping at night. It's a big one for men because men produce their testosterone when they sleep at night, if they sleep good. Mm. Most men come to me, they don't go to bed early, they, they don't sleep well, and then they cannot up their testosterone. So the first thing I do, I help them sleep better. Interesting. And so what are the symptoms of low testosterone? In men? Yeah. Because women have low testosterone symptoms too, yeah. okay? But in men, so basically, as I say, most of them are going to come and tell me, I don't know, I'm feeling depressed. Mm. Mental, you know, like we women, we get emotional. Men get flat affect, a little bit down, you know, not interested in what they used to do. Most of the time, it's the wife that tells me that, okay? Mm-hmm. They are shy and they don't want to tell me. But they always tell me, no, I don't know why. My, my husband, you know, is not excited as before to go out. You know, I have to push him. He wants to stay in front of his TV watching football at the time, okay? So that happened before also, but even more now. So I think that's really that lack of peps, the peps in life. You know, I don't know if that tells you something in English. In French, we call that the peps of life. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense, like being peppy. And so do you tr- you treat that with testosterone? Ah, that's a very good question too. You know, again, there's no one fits all answer to hormones, okay? Whether woman, whether men, you will always have to figure out what can we do for that specific person. I'm going to give you an example. Yesterday, I had a very young gentleman, 42 years old, overstressed, overworked, not sleeping at all, eating badly, belly fat, not exercising, and he has low testosterone. I said to him, and I'm going to be a little bit direct, I can wake up your testes. (laughs) Yes? And we'll try to make them work better, okay? Because at that stage, the poor guy doesn't have all his potential in place. You know, I have a way to test the LH. It's a hormone from the pituitary that tells me the testis reserve, the, the reserve of testosterone. Yeah. So if this is a young man, I'm not going to put him on testosterone right away. That would be a mistake because I would decrease his potential for production uh, of testosterone himself in the future. Okay. Yeah. So I give him something that is called HCG. Mm-hmm. which is a precursor of testosterone and DHEA. And that's going to help maybe, 
his body produce more, but he has to work on his lifestyle. He needs to lose 25 pounds and here yeah. we go. Okay. Go to bed and all of those exactly. factors. That's so interesting. That probably, I'm sure there are many people listening who are saying, oh, interesting. That's really interesting. What do you think, for those of us who are doing okay, like in our you know health span, what do you think are sort of the primary, like where would you put all of your energy or where would you direct someone to put all of their energy in maintaining that healthy or an easier menopause? Work on your lifestyle first, okay? Mm -hmm. Make sure you don't have any bad diet, okay? Uh, get back to healthy habits with sleep, reduce your stress. Have a little bit of a checkup of everything you can work on on your own. Mm -hmm. If you have done that work and maybe you need a little bit of help and then you come to see me and I will help you. Then the second level of help could be, let's try some natural supplement and some vitamin. That Then if that's not enough, you go consult with someone, you check your hormones, and then maybe you need a bit more help with hormone replacement. And uh, again, on a very low dose and progressively replace what is missing. Mm -hmm. What are the, like, are there any other myths or... Um questions that you get frequently, sort of that you think are not well understood, that you want to sort of clarify for people, not to put you completely on the yeah, spot? Let me think. Let me think anything. Okay. So yes, one question that I, I have constantly, can you get me to optimal health? That's the number one question. <laughs> and I say, I can get you to your optimal health, your level, because I consider health as a capital, you know, like you have your capital of wealth in your bank, yeah. you have your capital of health that you can optimize by doing the right thing as if you had a financial advisor that you have now a health advisor that I can be or anyone that you trust. So we are going to have to um, evaluate every little corner of your life and every little biochemistry of your body. That's why we do a lot of testing to see where are the missing points, where are the deficient vitamins, where are the uh, imbalance in your metabolism. And if we address each of them one by one and we put the puzzle right into place, normally, you know, the body should go and do what to do. Exactly. And do what it needs to do. So on the vitamin and, and those levels, um, I was talking to someone today who was saying like, if your ferritin is low, for example, that can be incredibly problematic for your hormones, for your thyroid. Absolutely. So are there specific, is it like B12, D, ferritin? Are there certain things that need to be ideal? Absolutely. And we have labels, you know, for optimal health, for sure. And again, you know, if you are a vegetarian or a vegan, okay, you might be deficient in B12 because B12 comes from animal products only. A lot of people do not know that. When I was in medical school, first year, we were taught that you need to have a liver to have B12. So anything that has a liver will produce B12, chicken, turkey. But if you choose to eat more vegan food, which might be totally fine, but add B12 to your diet, okay? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be low for sure. Same with ferritin. Ferritin, you know, if you don't eat meat and you don't eat spinach three times a day, you might be a little bit low. So we, we need to identify, you know, with those tests that I, I offer to my patients, what are the vitamins, minerals, 
oligo elements, you know, all these little uh, very important cofactors for energy that are missing. One of them, CoQ10. Mm. CoQ10 is extremely important at the level of the cell for the the powerhouse support, you know, for the energy. Low CoQ10 means low brain function, foggy brain, low heart function. You get tired very easily when you exercise. So you just fix your CoQ10 and you feel better. There you have it. <laughs> exactly. Dr. Reed, for those who can't get to you physically, what sort of doctor would you recommend that women who are sort of going through these hormonal fluctuations, who should they be seeking out? So I think I'm going to recommend that they go on the directory of um, the American Academy for Anti-Aging Medicine, you know, or places like Loma Linda University or at the Center for Health Promotion, where I used to work. Or I know that John Hopkins has also a preventive medicine department. Uh, San Diego has one Scripps Clinic. So we have a few places where you can find doctors that have received the education and have the experience in this kind of medicine. Prevention, prevention, prevention. That's all we say. But um, I know it's not so easy. I have a lot of patients, believe it or not, that are coming from either the East Coast or the one that comes from the furthest location comes from Malaysia, believe it or not. Wow. But he comes once a year, and the Board of California allows us to treat patients that live far as long as we see them once a year, and we communicate on a regular basis. For me, the follow-up is essential. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to treat a patient and let them without any connection, any communication for more than three months. In general, I get either myself or one of my nurses to call them. How are you doing? Is everything good? And I, I want to see them at, at least once so you're in the office and talk to them every six months. Thanks for listening to today's chat. You can learn more about Dr. Dominique Reed's work at VitalLifeMD and at goop.com slash the podcast. Now it's Ask Me Anything time. Marianne asks, do you have any secret family holiday traditions? Well, Marianne, I have a lot of family traditions, but I'm not sure I would characterize them as secret necessarily. I think our traditions really evolve around food, the same recipes that we've been making for years. My mother's mother made always the most incredible Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, and we still use a lot of those same recipes. If we're in New York, we always try to take the kids to see a musical before Thanksgiving. That's a nice tradition that we always try to do. Have a question? Drop us a line at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks again for tuning into the Goop podcast. We'll be back next week with two conversations, a special episode on Tuesday and our regular Thursday conversation. To keep up, just hit subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, and share with a friend. And if you're looking for more info, head to goop.com slash the podcast. See you soon.